Welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I am on Clubhouse. If you are on Clubhouse as well, follow me at Dr. Grace Lee. And today's episode is a live interactive podcast that I did on the Clubhouse platform. And in this episode, I'm talking about persuasion as it relates to sales, as it relates to selling yourself on an interview, as it relates to selling your skills in a career. Whatever you want to get to the next level, whatever you are selling, it could be your own products or service or skills, I am sharing with you the the four-step formula on how to increase your persuasion. So listen in and there will be some questions because it was an interactive clubhouse room and I look forward to connecting you with you on clubhouse. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about persuasion or manipulation. What is the neuroscience edge in sales? You see, the, the persuasion is an art. The art of persuasion, some, you know, some people call it the art of enrollment. It is a life skill. I mean, it works absolutely everywhere. It works in relationships. It works in health and fitness, right? It works in our careers. It works in our business when we are working with our clients. It works when we want to get to that next level in our life because we have to enroll ourselves. We have to say yes, and we have to be motivated and inspired to take things to the next level in all areas of our life. So it works everywhere. Learning to overcome objections, objections that we are thinking, objections that other people are thinking when we want to communicate our, our ideas to them. We want it, when we want to sell them, when we want to sell them on an offer, we have a solution we have that we know we can help them and change their lives. We have to learn how to overcome objections. And that is a life skill. If you watch children, you'll see that we're born with it. That is the one thing that we are born with. You know, we talk a lot about these skills like being a leader, being the top of our game, being a high level entrepreneur, and those skills that we aren't born with it, we have to learn them later in life. Well, the art of enrollment, the art of persuasion is the perhaps the one skill that we are born with. Because if you watch children, they are natural. They are born with amazing enrollment skills. Right? They can persuade their parents to do things. They can persuade their peers to do things. If you observe children in a playground, you can immediately see that children are beautifully switching between leader and follower, lead, follow, lead, follow, and they're doing this dance. And so they are born with amazing enrollment skills. And what happens is eventually through life, we get deprogrammed from that enrollment. And we start to believe that sales is yucky, we start to believe that enrollment is slimy. We start to feel dishonest about it. And that's what happens is that deprogramming. So if, here's the thing. If you are an entrepreneur, if you are a career professional, and you truly have a service, a skill set, or an offer that you believe in that you know is transformative, it is, is it really icky? Is it really yucky for you to go out and sell what you have? Is it really yucky? Because here is the thing, the underlying foundation of persuasion is that selling is a service. You cannot help them if you do not sell them. So who are you not to go out there and do it? And the thing is, we got to get out of our own way to serve. So the question then becomes, how do you ask for the money? Because we're talking about sales. We're selling yourself, selling your services, selling your product, How do you, or selling your skills, right? So how do you ask for the money? With, without actually asking for the money. Because people will be happy to pay you because you will skillfully ask for the sale. And you will do it in a way that's elegant, you do it in a way that's graceful, and you do it in a way that is non-confrontational. 
Because the reason why people get nervous when they are about to close a deal, when they get nervous, when they're about to do the big ask, when they're about to ask for the money, ask for the sale, and they get nervous because they don't know what's going to happen after they do. Right? So getting to the close, though, it's a process, whether or not you're on a sales call or an interview. It is a, it's a process. It's not an event. It is a sequence that you take people through. If you do the closing in sequence, then the sequence will take care of the closing for you. And that sequence, it will properly eliminate the objections before they become objections. If you're getting objections, it's because you took the closing sequence out of order and you asked them for the money before you answered the questions and considerations that they already have in their heads. Now, then there are the questions become an objection. At first, it was a question or a consideration they have. And then throughout the conversation, it becomes an objection. And then you hear them say, well, I need to talk it over. I need to think about it. We need to take a few days to consider. Uh, or I don't make snap judgments. We need to consider fill in the blank. That's when all the objections start to happen. And why is the sequence important? It's because the sequence activates four very powerful chemicals inside of our brain. The human brain produces these four chemicals. Then these chemicals, then they produce very strong emotions within us. And these emotions influence every single action we take. It's like a strong dose of medicine, right? How it affects us, our being, our mental, our, our awareness. It's, it's exactly like a strong dose of medicine. So I'm going to use the word dose, D-O-S-E, to tell you what those chemicals are. The first chemical, dose, in dose is D, which is dopamine. You know those times where you are recognized for something that you did. You're rewarded for an accomplishment you made. You are praised for having said something or did something that was favorable. And you, you feel good about it. It's because dopamine was being released inside of our brain. And dopamine is like the, the ultimate award, the ultimate reward. When we are praised, we receive a gush of dopamine. D-O, the O is oxytocin. It's when you feel close and you feel safe with someone. You know, when children are born into a loving home and they have a mother who's a nurturer, that's an, a, a huge surge of oxytocin. The next one, D-O-S, S is serotonin. It's the happy chemical. It is what we feel when we are truly one with nature, when we feel like we are on purpose in our life, when we feel like things are working for us and they are working in us in the right way, then we have a surge of serotonin. It's the happy chemical. And then E, D-O-S-E, E is epinephrine. And that's what creates the feeling of being accomplished. You know how you look back on what you've done and you just feel so accomplished. You feel proud of what you've done. That is a surge of epinephrine. So what is the closing sequence? The closing sequence is as follows. The first step is to activate oxytocin in the people that you are persuading, in the people that you are communicating with. When you activate oxytocin, that's the first step of the sequence. You're building relationship. You're building rapport, therefore trust and a friendship with them. You make them feel cared about because oxytocin, when, it's, when that's released, they feel safe and trust is created. Then the next step of the sequence is to activate serotonin. And that's when you paint the picture. It's called future pacing. When you paint the picture of what is possible in their life, in the prospect's life, or in your audience's life, you paint the picture of what is possible, your big promise, and what you are going to deliver. It gives them an identity of who they will become. It gives them an identity of who can will they become so that they can produce the outcomes that have been most desirable in what they want to achieve. It makes them it, it gives them the sense of having elevated status. It makes them happy and it stabilizes their mood. 
Then the next sequence in that is activating dopamine, right? So first oxytocin, the next one is serotonin, and the next one is to have move the conversation so that you are activating dopamine inside. And this is their reward for saying yes to this investment, making an investment in their dream through what you have to offer. Note that they're not investing in what you are offering. They're investing in their own future they're, because you have future paced them in the previous step. You, they're off, they are investing in the payoff of what you can provide and produce for them. They're not investing in you or what, or your skill sets. Right? So that's an important distinction. And they, and once they have that, make that investment, you give them a reward for buying. And then therefore the surge in dopamine makes them feel like they have, they have accomplished it. They are, they were recognized and praised for it. And then they want more because the thing about dopamine is that it is addictive. When there is a surge, they want more of it. So then the last step then is to activate the endorphin. Now they have said yes to the investment. They've given you their credit card or they've given you the job offer. And this is what is really important to prevent attrition, to prevent that the refund requests, right? To, to prevent them from changing their mind or having second thoughts. When you activate endorphin, it gives them something to follow, you know, step by step. You tell them what to expect. And then when they follow it and they accomplish it, then that's what activates endorphins and it pretty much seals the deal. Most, the biggest mistake that salespeople make, entrepreneurs or career professionals, when they're selling their skill sets or they're selling their, selling their products, the biggest mistake they make is they, they have the conversation out of sequence, right? Because you cannot move to activating endorphin if you haven't first built trust because they're not going to open up to you in that conversation if oxytocin is not present. Right. And the second biggest mistake they make is that they don't activate all of them. Right. So maybe they have built rapport, a strong rapport. They've painted the picture. So there's serotonin and, but they didn't, they didn't activate dopamine. Right. So they have endorphins. They've given them, they've given, they made them feel accomplished for saying yes to their, this investment, but they haven't, they haven't given them a reward or surge of dopamine for buying. And so that is what, ha- what happens is then they have second thoughts. Right. Because once all four of these, powerful chemicals are released in the whole in that conversation in the enrollment conversation that is when they feel they feel like they made the right decision and they will even go on justifying their decision to other people who after the call with you may question their actions may question them what you spent how much on this product and they will even justify to their loved ones why this was the right step to take because they feel that their status has been elevated. So that's what it that's where it is. The four powerful chemicals inside the brain when you activate them in this sequence, then the sequence will work for you. Because the closing sequence, the whole conversation will help them make the decision they already want to make. They've already listened to your sales presentation. They've already listened to your interview. They've already listened to you. They don't want to feel like they've wasted their time. They already want to buy. They already want to make the decision that they know is in their best interest, but they don't know how to move the blocks out of the way from making the decision they want to make. Because remember, most people, when they are in the situation of they got to lead this conversation, most people, they hate to sell. They hate to sell themselves. They hate to sell their skill set. They hate to sell what they have. They feel icky about it, which means they already love to buy because the only alternative to selling is buying, right? People who hate to sell, they love to buy. People who love to buy, they hate to sell, right? So it is, it is always this push and pull. So if you love selling, 
if you understand that selling is serving, it is the, the opportunity to serve them to the highest level. If you understand your moral obligation to sell what you have because you know that it is good, it is transformative, and that you are using it to to good and not for not for, for manipulation, then you have a moral obligation to sell and do whatever you can in your power to have them say yes to investing in their dream. And since they love to buy, because if you love selling, they're coming to you, they love buying, since they love to buy, then all we have to do is facilitate their buying experience. But even if they love to buy, they're programmed to be skeptical about buying. So therefore, unless they're talking to someone who is skilled at selling, they will oftentimes talk themselves out of making the purchase they already want to make, right? So don't make statements to cause people to dig their heels into the dirt, to get people to disagree with you, and then to go out to prove that they are right. When you activate this powerful sequence and ensure that these four neurochemicals are activated in that sequence, then that is how you can ensure that not only do you close the deal, but they will not have second thoughts about it and they will become your raving fan. With that, thank you for listening. I am going to open the floor now to questions. Sonia, I know you are driving. Uh, Alessandra, Rebecca, Maria, what questions do you have for me? You can raise your hand. We are talking about persuasion or manipulation, the neuroscience edge in sales. I have just given probably about 10 minutes of content around the four powerful neurochemicals and the sequence in which you release them to get the sale every single time. If you have any questions, raise your hand. I'll bring you up to the stage. You can unmute and I'm happy to address your questions. Or if you have a comment, you are welcome to do that too. I don't see any uh, see any questions here, but I would invite you to I would invite you to follow me and check out my profile. I do have if you want to learn more about this sales uh, process and sales sequence, I do have a course that I am launching called the Confident Closing Dose that teaches you exactly how to use the edge of neuroscience <clears throat> to make the close confidently. So if you would go to my Instagram profile the the link is there in my bio i invite you to visit that if you have any questions as well you can raise your hand i'll invite you to the room um, or you can dm me on instagram alessandra rebecca maria natasha welcome to this room we are here talking about the persuasion persuasion or maybe manipulation and it's interesting because i have done a lot of sales training excuse me so I have talked to <clears throat> I've talked to hundreds of people around the in in the area of sales training and a lot of times the most common question I ask is well Grace is this manipulation when you are trying to influence their emotions to move them towards the close move them towards something in the deal isn't that manipulation and I say no it is not manipulation because as I mentioned earlier if you know what you have is so good it is your moral obligation to sell it because if you don't sell it, then the person who could have benefited from your knowledge will then get be re-released back into the marketplace. They go back into the marketplace and they go back into the life where they go, where they face their struggles, where they face their challenges, where they face their obstacles all over again. And they may go and find someone, invest in someone else who will not be able to get them the outcomes that you can. So it is our moral obligation to do whatever we can to sell them to enrolling in the, the, their desired outcomes in their life. So it is not manipulation. It is emotional cooperation. 
It is emotional cooperation, not manipulation. You are cooperating with your emotion because that's how human beings were programmed. That is how our mind operates. We want to make decisions. We don't want to think like that. Nobody wants to have these objections because it is, it's standing in the way of us having our best life. So when objections do happen in a sales call or a sales conversation, those objections are actually a gift because what they're telling you that they're telling you from their mouth that I got to think about it. They're telling you from their mouth that I don't have the money. But look behind what they are saying and deep inside what they're saying is what they're really saying is I don't want to think like this. Please help me not to think this way. I want to step. I want to get out of my own way so that I can live my best life so that I can have better relationship so that I can have a better health so that I can elevate my business. That's what they're really thinking. And so if we don't step up into our power and sell and do whatever thing we can, do everything we can to enroll them into their dreams, then we will not have served them to the highest level. Because then they accept those excuses. They accept those objections as their reality and then they go back into the marketplace and nothing changes. You see, the real tragedy in sales is not that we didn't get the sale. The real tragedy is not that we didn't get another client. The real tragedy is not that we didn't get the job if it's a job interview situation. The real tragedy is that that person who we talk to is now going to go back and continue in the status quo of what they've always been doing and they did not receive the transformation they could have through you. That is the real tragedy. Welcome CJ. I see you have just joined. We are talking about persuasion or manipulation. What is the neuroscience edge in sales? You know, I invite you to follow me. Sonia is up here with me as well. Follow her as well. I mean, look at your each other's profiles. I have been following each and every one of you at some point. So follow each other. And if you have questions, just raise your hand and I will bring you up to the stage and I'd be happy to address your questions or to listen to your comment. CJ, you have raised your hand. I am bringing you up to the stage. You are now live. What's your question? Awesome. Thank you so much, Grace. By the way, I was already following you. That's why I got pain to come into the room. Um, and this is uh, already sounding very exciting. I love um, how you just kind of uh, almost did a paradigm shift in, <laughs> in how to view those things, which I've never heard before. That was pretty amazing. Um, but pretty much, I just, uh, I, I'm a person, um, and by the way, I, I'll say this before I even ask the question, you've kind of you've helped me a lot already with the little that I heard with just coming into the room, but um, I'm a person who, it was weird. So I used to work for this company called Traeger Grill, and Basically, we would, uh, I would be a sales rep. I go on Costco, sell grills that cost anywhere from 600 bucks to I think as high as 1500 bucks to people only coming to Costco to buy toilet paper. And, 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 and what was weird is when I was there, like usually we have 10 days to sell and we could sell anywhere from $40,000 worth of inventory to as high as $150,000, depending on our location and demand. And what was interesting is when I was doing it, I would like be in the low twenties, not doing so well. When like like a pretty good standard would be like eighty thousand dollars in that ten day span. That's like a 
you know, you're, you're doing good. You know, one's going to give you that call from the company like, hey, man, get your numbers up. Like, you're going to and you're going to make good money, too. Um, and, you know, selling eight thousand dollars in grills in 10 days. Um, but what I noticed is I would I would sell like anywhere from twenty thousand dollars or lower when I was actually on the floor. And I, I didn't really feel comfortable. I always felt weird. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I ended up leaving the company because there was just some mix-up and some scheduling, and I wasn't making the money I needed to make to live. And and I had another opportunity to come, and I ended up taking it. And what was the weirdest thing is as soon as I didn't have um, to fight for a commission or to, and, and I'm noticing now that I'm in a neuroscience room, <laughs> like the words I'm using, <laughs> but I didn't have to. I don't know. There wasn't any, I guess, pressure. All of a sudden, I could sell that grill to anybody. And it was like, why is it that when I'm on the street or or when I'm talking to someone on the phone, if I'm in the, a Costco, right, not as a sales rep, but just see somebody looking at like maybe an off brand of that particular grill that I used to work for, like Green Mountain. And I'll say, no, don't get that. Get the trigger grill. And I'll begin to tell them why. And they, their mouth will start to water. And then they'll say, I'm about to get it. And they'll go and get it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why was it not as easy when I was actually in sales? I was always at the bottom rung. But then when I leave, it's, it's I don't know. I was, I was so good. And I literally, I can't even tell you how many grills I sold to people, family, friends, uh, random people, just just talking to them with my know-how and I was like what the heck and so basically so I asked that number one but then I also asked I'm getting ready to go into a sales position selling solar panels and I'm just trying to figure out like what do I need to do to make sure that going into this position I don't make the same mistake I did with the trigger grill situation going into the solar panel situation Can, okay, so CJ, I really appreciate your you know, the background. Is it all right if you, you if you state the question again and say my question is? Okay, so my question is: When I was, why is it that when I used to sell, uh, when I when I why is it that I had a problem selling? Uh, when I was on commissions, but then I could possibly sell a lot easier when there was no sales pressure to people. Like I was a lot more successful. My closing ratio was a lot higher. And then what can I do moving into my new position to not make the same mistakes that I made before? Like, like what, what can I do so that when I'm actually in, when I actually have the sales pressure, to be successful and to follow through and to and to and to do some of those things that you're talking about. I mean, again, you kind of answered my question with the paradigm shift, but yeah, I just don't want to fall into the same trap. So I'm just trying to ask, like, how can I avoid the traps of being maybe more persuasive and and better? Um. um not being persuasive when there is sales pressure versus being persuasive when there isn't sales pressure. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. Because because uh, sometimes when um, when 
the, the, your background story was very interesting, and sometimes the question gets lost in there. Okay, so what you're really asking is that you're really asking that when when you're as a, a commission only salesperson, sometimes the pressure to perform is great, and then you know you 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 have these KPIs and these quotas to meet, but you find that your sales performance in or in in being able to close the deal is so much greater when you're not on a sales team and you're having a conversation outside of um, the structure of being a salesperson, right? Yes. Okay. Here here's 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 the number one reason is because when it is when you are in a commission only sales role the the focus and the pressure is on the KPIs and and I know this because I've managed a couple of sales teams that were commission only for entrepreneurs selling coaching programs and one of the and one of the greatest and one of the most important things is to build the right culture right and when you're on a sales team that's commission only mindset is the most important thing going into a sales conversation and usually the the kind of culture that is created by nature of commission only the culture that is created is the one where um, you have to, you, I'm, I got to get the sale. And the hardest sale that you will make is the one that you have to make. That is just a, it's like kind of like inception. The most difficult sale you will ever make in your life is the one that you have to make. And if that is, and, and most sales people are in this commission only position because they're trying to support themselves, they're trying to support their loved ones and maybe contribute to some causes they care about. And so it becomes like, I have to make the sale. And so when you have to make the sale, all of a sudden the conversation then becomes all about my needs what do I need? I need to make the sale. I need to do this. I need to, oh, I'm still short um, 5,000 for this month. And so sales is powerful when you don't bring your needs, but instead you draw out their needs. So that is the biggest shift is that most people on a subconscious level, when we come enter into a sales conversation, we're bringing forth our needs into it. Although we might not say it in conversation, it's happening internally. So what you can do, and this is the most powerful thing you can do, what you can do is before everything that happens on a sales call is preempted by what happens before you even pick up the phone or before you even approach that person. So before the conversation happens, it is really important to set the intent for the call. Your intent is what is the foundation of the mindset you will have going into it and how you show up in it. So setting the intent and making about them. Not bringing your needs, but understanding that every word that you say, instead of a need that you're going to bring out, is going to be a seed that you plant in their in their life. You're planting seeds, and is and and you have to be detached from the outcome. When you don't make it about you, then you're detached from the outcome. So therefore, you actually are saying to them, "You can say no to me, you can say yes to me, you can say no to me," and both of them are fine. But the only response that I will not accept is a forever maybe. Does that make sense? Yes, this is great. Awesome, CJ. Thank you for your question. And for those of you who have just joining, we are talking about persuasion or manipulation. What is this neuroscience edge to sales? And if you haven't done so already, follow me. Just 
click on my profile, click ring that bell as well so you can receive notifications every time I have a room here on Clubhouse. Follow Sonia and CJ as well. They had some great things to say and they have great experiences. And also, if you are interested in learning more about what is this, what are these four chemicals, it's powerful chemicals in the brain, and how do you activate them in a particular sequence so that you can get the sale confidently every single time and they will thank you for the sale, I invite you to visit my Instagram profile. On my bio, there is a link. It is a new course that I am launching and I'm teaching it live. It's starting on Monday. I'm teaching it live and that is where I will show you that four-step process on how to be confident, show up confident in your sales. So if you have any questions, just like CJ and Sonia, just raise your hand here in Clubhouse. I will bring you up to the stage and I will be happy to address your comment, your questions. If you have a comment as well, you want to add some value to this conversation, raise your hand also and I'll bring you up to the stage and we can have an awesome discussion on that. And also Alessandra, Maria, Julian, welcome to Clubhouse. I see that you have your party hats on. Welcome to Clubhouse. You are less than seven days in this platform. It is an amazing platform. If you haven't done so already, if you click on someone's profile and you click follow, right beside that is a bell. And when you when you hit that bell, that is when Clubhouse will notify you every time that person makes an activity or is inside present inside of a room. And at the same time, when you the more people you follow, Clubhouse will then open new groups to you. Right? These are the clubs you see, those little icons at the bottom of the profile. So those are clubs that will be open to you when you start to follow more people and you join more rooms like this. Then you can have opportunities to join clubs that you may not have known about before. So the name of the game is to follow more people, to engage with more people, and to connect. Sonia, I see that you are unmuted. What is your question or your comment? I'm parked now. Thank you so much, Grace. You, what you shared earlier was such an amazing, just such a, a vast amount of information that can't even be swallowed in one tasting. But it was such an amazing thing because as a school teacher, I teach students with varying disabilities and you talk about just the fact of honing in on making them feel like you have a relationship with them you have a connection and that's always a good seller and I use those same tactics in my business as well and when CJ talked about having going into this new field of selling solar panels on my school teacher budget never been able to afford solar panels, but as soon as he said it, I have a couple co-workers who they've talked about their solar system and automatically in my head, I want I want it because they talk about the things that you can save. And CJ, just a, a word of just encouragement. When you're dealing with these new customers that you're going to encounter, try to make sure that you're selling them on what they're going to benefit, how it's going to benefit them. I have one coworker who tells me she only pays $10 a month for her electric bill. That blew my mind because here in Florida, my bills are running two, $400 depending on the time of year. So just knowing those things make me want to get a solar system put in. So just Get out of the feel of that having to sell, having to sell, having to sell, and make it more about the benefit that the customer will get from it. Awesome, Sonia. Some gold. CJ, go ahead. You're up. 
No, I was just going to say thank you. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Features versus benefit. A lot of times as coaches, consultants, business owners, we talk so much about the features of our product because we spent so much time creating it and we are proud of it. So we want to talk about all the different components they're going to get. For example, you're going to get eight modules or maybe it's a 10-week course or maybe it comes with these bonuses where you have these video trainings. We talk about all the pieces and the components, but that is not why people are investing. It's not about the components. It is about the payoff. So the payoff and not the product. Because when they're investing, all they care about is the payoff. If you can make the payoff this big, and by the way, you can't see me, but I'm holding, stretching out my arms as fast as, I, as, as wide as I can. If you can make the payoff this big, and the investment is only this big, and I'm holding my hands just inches apart from each other, then they will invest every single time. It becomes a no-brainer. So sales is nothing more than uncovering the value of what you have to offer and doing that so well so that they will be willing to exchange the money they have in their pocket for the payoff that you can produce. With that, we are talking about the neuroscience edge of sales. Once again, come if you are interested in learning about this process and how to master the skill set of releasing these neurochemicals in the right sequence so that they will invest every single time and you can do so with confidence, I invite you to visit the link in my Instagram profile. I'm teaching this course, it's starting on Monday and it's gonna be seven weeks every Monday for the next seven Mondays. I'm teaching it live to a room full of entrepreneurs and career professionals who want to learn the art of persuasion for interviews. So check that out if you have any questions Again, raise your hand and I'll bring you up to the stage. If you have any comments, same thing. I'll bring you up to the stage and I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. So I'm just pulling to refresh. I don't see any hands raised. CJ, Sonia, do you have any more comments or questions as you are here with me on stage already? CJ, Sonia, any questions or comments for me on stage? None right now, just you know, soaking in what you've been sharing. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, the same for me, just just soaking it in. Um, I mean, uh, anything else you can share on, like, uh, paradigm uh, shifting, you know, mind tricks of how to assimilate the feedback that we're getting from customers um, or prospective clients and whatnot. I think that's great. Uh, you know, I, I could listen to that stuff all day because I'm again, I, as many books as I've read, as many I have over three hundred books in my Audible. I haven't heard anyone explain it like that. So I think that that's huge. <laughs> awesome, CJ. I'd be happy to address that. And you are right. There's so much going into it. Um, it's very difficult for me to uh, divulge everything in a few short minutes. But here's what I will say. Everything that we ever think, everything that we ever believe about something, every action that we've taken in our life so far, all the beliefs and attitudes, the programming, you know, we're all familiar with that term, the programming that you, we have. What happens is when we have those, they form our beliefs, our attitudes, and therefore our emotions about something. And molecularly inside of our brain, it creates what's called a neurocluster. 
So a neural cluster is a series of brain cells that come together and they knit very closely together because they're in communication with each other and they're constantly firing electricity between them and it becomes clustered and it becomes stronger and stronger as we age, as we dig deeper into those beliefs and those attitudes. And that's when you have what's called a conditioned mind. The programming creates these clusters and they are strongly in excellent communication, efficient communication with each other. And that's the conditioning, right? We are now conditioned to believe what we do. We have clusters for everything. We have clusters for our finances. We have clusters for our relationships. If we believe, for example, that money is materialistic and that sales is yucky and sales is slimy, if we believe that there is so much lack out there and there's not enough abundance, those create our clusters. It's the clusters of beliefs we have. And your beliefs and your conditioning, each one represents, each one causes a cluster that represents that. But here's the thing the, the real thing is that it used to be that we believed that humans are hardwired. I mean, how many of you heard, have you heard that, right? We're hardwired. And we used to believe that we're hardwired to be a certain way. And the whole statement of this is who I am. I am who I am. I can't change that. And so that language of hardwiring, there's been enough evidence now in the, in the research in cognitive neuroscience that we are not hardwired. We're not hardwired. Those clusters around finances, relationships, every avenue of our life, those clusters are not hardwired. You can rearrange them and you can rewire them. What you do, the process you take them through is you take them through into shifting their beliefs. It's true that in, a, in one simple sales conversation that you cannot change their belief entirely, right? But you can get them to see what has been holding them back. You can get them to see the gap between where they are right now and where they want to be is one simple belief, one self-sabotaging belief, right? And so our brains are adaptive. Neural connections can break, they can reform, they can readjust, they can completely rearrange. And that's why neuroscience, we call it neuroplasticity. The word plastic means the ability to adopt and reform and readjust. That's what plastic means. So all you have to do is with these four powerful chemicals, they're responsible for all of our actions, even our thoughts and beliefs. So that's why when you put them in, in, in that order, that sequence, remember oxytocin first, right? Oxytocin first, and then serotonin, then dopamine, then endorphin. It's got to be in that order. When you use those powerful chemicals in that order, you shift those, those are where those conditioned clusters start to shrink, right? First of all, it is raising awareness that they exist. And then they start to shrink because you're giving them a rush of endorphin afterwards. And then immediately you start your program. There's no, there's no lag in between the cell and between beginning your work with them. So the sales call is already part of the transformation that you give them. It's already part of it. The transformation doesn't begin when they do start day one of your program. The transformation begins at the moment they connect with you. Right? When you put new ones in, when you put new conditioning in by creating these new beliefs and then get them doing these new actions, that's what the world calls reprogramming. On a molecular level, new clusters are being formed. And it's important how they form. It's important how you nurture them into something that sticks and something that is permanent. So that's what I'll say about that. Order again of the chemicals, please. Yes, it's oxytocin first 
then serotonin, then dopamine, then endorphins. Right? The acronym is DOSE, right? D-O-S-E, which are the four chemicals, but they have to be in the order of oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and endorphin. Guys, I see some of you just coming into the room. We are talking about persuasion or manipulation. What is the neuroscience edge in sales? What can that What can that do for you? And if you haven't done so already, uh, click on my profile, follow me, follow Sonia and CJ as well. And if you see below, I am following Wayne. Wayne Sutton is in the house. Give him a follow as well. And we are talking about what are the four neurochemicals that you activate in that particular order will allow you to close the sale, have that conversation confidently every single time. If you want to learn more about it, exactly what do you say? When do you say it? How do you handle these objections in a very effective way? I invite you to check out my Instagram profile. In my bio, there is a link to a new course that I am launching. I've taught this course on different platforms before. This is the first time I'm delivering it live. So I'm doing it live starting on Monday, every seven Mondays starting next Monday. I am going to be your coach and your guide. Go check that out. And if you have questions here, raise your hand. I'll bring you up to the stage and you can have the mic. So any questions, raise your hand or comments too. I welcome comments, any value ads that you want to share in your sales experience. Raise your hand. I'd love to bring you up to the stage so that you can address the audience. Any questions? We have yeah, Wayne Sutton. I have, I have one more question. Yep, yeah, go ahead. Done asking. Sure, um, go ahead. Do you have any advice for uh, the fear? I know we're talking about persuasion and manipulation as it relates from, you know, I guess, salesperson to customer. But if a sales rep is dealing with fear or the person who's trying to, you know, to sell, do you have any advice for how to overcome that, get past that, or how to, um, I, I, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I guess those terms, get over it, get past it, or, or to, or to, I guess, quench it, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does, and it's 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 natural for first time or even established career uh, sales professionals to have fear around selling. And I mentioned earlier when I began this episode. When the reason why we have this fear around selling is because we don't know what's going to happen, right? And the definition of fear is when we perceive a threat of danger, and danger means a perception of a lack of control over something. So we fear sales because we don't know what's going to happen. But if you follow the sequence, if you understand how to activate these, and you, and therefore you will know because the brain is very powerful and very effective at at influencing what we do and therefore you will know exactly what is going to happen right you'll know exactly what is going to happen if 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 90% of our results are created from the subconscious mind and only 10% are conscious if you understand that and you can leverage the principles of neuroscience then you will know what's going to happen and therefore the fear will be handled does that make sense yes Basically, competence equals confidence, right? <laughs> competence equals confidence, but it all starts with learning. Confidence all starts with learning and mastering a skill. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, CJ, for the question. We have Wayne Sutton on the stage. Wayne, you are live. Hey, thank you so much, Grace. Always love your information. Um, so I'm using a 
the formula. I love the dose. I'm really going to get into that. So, uh, but I really, I use the formula when we're selling. So I'm a coach and I help other coaches sell their product and services. And one of the ways I have taught for many years, and I'd love to hear the neuroscience behind this, is really um, anchoring our product or service to their emotions using, you know, eliciting their criteria, finding out what's important, and then setting up different anchors for good decisions, bad decisions. And so I know if someone's in a good state, they feel happy, they've made good decisions in the past, and they're in that state, then I can anchor my product or service, you know, through language and through product placement, et cetera. My question is, if somebody feels excited because they bought something in the past and I'm anchoring that emotion to my product and service, where's the danger of that? Is there a danger that maybe they get, this one sounds silly, but I don't know. Is it they get too excited and go, oh crap, I'm about to spend money and then they back off or when does the emotional side of these like chemicals that are being activated make them go, oh no, I'm about to make a decision? Or oh, does that even make sense? I'm, maybe I'm not wording it the way I'm trying to ask. Because I've seen, I've tripled my sales when I started using unconscious anchoring. But sometimes I think people get really excited and then go, whoa, two, no, not going to do it. Um, the, a, a kind of a weird question there, but I hope you can grasp what I'm trying to ask here. <laughs> Yes, actually, I can. Wayne, don't worry, I can read between the lines. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent question. I love that question. Okay, so what you're noticing is the transition between neural regions. Right? I only talked about four chemicals. I didn't even have time to get into the regions of, regions of the brain. Okay, so and I, I don't have time to really get into it because there's a lot to it. If you want to learn, if you want to know more about it, check out that link in my IG I bio. Have, I, have. I will Just definitely, I'll definitely go into it in detail there. But here, here's what I'll say for the benefit of those listening. There are three main regions of our brain. And this is like the, what neuroscience calls the triune, right? And what you're, what you're doing when you're anchoring the excitement is you're appealing to a very primitive part of the brain. Right, the amygdala, the central part where the emotions run high. And here's the thing, anything that anybody ever does at all in life, they do it for one reason only. And that reason is because they feel like it. People don't buy because they can afford it. People buy because they want to. Right? Yes. I mean, how many yeah. people are in debt buying because they want to, right? I mean, it's, it's evident. People don't buy it for, for they, don't, they don't reason out their, their purchase. They purchase it because they want to. But here's the thing. So the emotions come first, right? And then what you're noticing, Wayne, if you're, if you're in those clients that go, whoa, 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 that's too much, that's too much. What's happening is that some people move from that into the, into the hemisphere faster than others. So immediately- gotcha. They move to the hemisphere, and in the hemisphere, that is where all of a sudden the logic comes in, the rationale comes in, the you know the big why, all of those thought processes come in. That's where the conscious part comes in. The emotional part is subconscious. The rational right. part is conscious. So anchoring the emotional states fine, but just understanding if they move to the other hemisphere they're probably going into fear because of the unknown. What am I, or maybe past decisions they made that didn't turn out well. Um, I know I've had a lot of success with the unconscious anchoring through language and, you know, other things, but just trying to make sure what am I, 
sometimes it seems and this sounds silly but sometimes it sounds like it works too easy and they're like oh no why am i feeling this way wayne why do i want to buy this and i think it hurts me sometimes i'm just curious what your thoughts were that was a great explanation of grace thank you you're so welcome wayne so um, can you can you rephrase that what was the question there yeah, that is not as much of a question as it was a statement saying thank you number one but again when i notice i have somebody's criteria elicited through whatever method and then we're we're anchoring or tethering it to our product or service i do see them sometimes even because i'm doing a lot of zoom calls i see their physiology change and i feel like i've tapped into another emotion other than uh, a buying decision i think i've tapped into um fear or tapped into curiosity or something because maybe this seems right but they don't know and that's what i ask them a lot have you ever just you know made a decision to buy something because it just felt right and you know sometimes it does just feel right and i know that's unconscious my concern is when is the emotional unconscious anchoring too much and you know when do i how far do we push somebody on that neuroscience you were talking about oxytocin and everything else i love that I was wondering if there's ever a time when we need to just back off and um, if somebody can get on an emotional level that's too high. Does that make sense? Am it, I even asking the right way? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I, again, I, I can read between the lines. Okay. So that's an excellent question. Here's here. Okay. So I've only touched upon this aspect of it in terms of the four chemicals, right? When you, when you were talking about something a little bit different, but related, Right. In terms of when do I back off? When is it too much? That is more that is less about the subconscious and the, re- the brain region. And it's more about one's personality, their propensities, their propensities of behaviors, behaviors versus belief. Right. So when I'm talking about neural pathways, that's that's getting into the belief part of it. What your question touches on is the behavior part of it and not so much the belief. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So the behavior part of it is different. Behavior is understanding the different the different personality types. And what you're do what you got to do on the on the call is you got to be quick at at knowing how what personality type they are and therefore your conversation and the, the way you move them into on on the belief part matches with their personality type and their personality type includes their their propensity towards risk right their the way that um, the way that they receive information the way that they need to process information the time the resources they need to have at hand and the speed at which they 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 synthesize this information all of it are the propensities i'm talking about they're the behaviors so in the sales call there's a really quick method that I teach that you can, within the first five minutes, you can know and pick up on where do they fall in term in in that in that in those buckets, right? If for lack of a better term, and how can you adjust your conversation to match them so it really sounds like you're you're kind of like mirroring what they would do and how they would talk about it and how they would approach it. So then that's where the seamless part comes in. Does that make sense? That really does. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes back to before we move their emotions, finding out, like you said, their behavior. Okay, great. Is that more of the, and if I can ask, please, is it deeper than finding out that they're visual, auditory, kinesthetic? Is is that part of it or does it go even deeper than that? Or was was that even related to their um, 
behaviors you're talking about. It is related, exactly. So the um, visual, kinesthetic, auditory, that is related to the behaviors I'm talking about. Yes, it is a component of it. Yep. I'm in your course. This is awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Um, thank and congratulations for that. Uh, Carolina Chaves, you have your hand raised. I am bringing you up to the stage right now. Carolina, you are live. You have the microphone. And what is your question? Uh, Wait, hold on. I'm bringing you up to the stage right now. Uh, somehow the app is not in my favor today. Carolina, are you there? All right. So Carolina, how about you try to raise, uh, uncheck the box of raising your hand and then raise your hand again. For some reason, the app is not allowing me to bring you up to the stage. Try it again. Thank you. All right. For those of you, the benefit of you have just joined, we're talking about persuasion or manipulation. Which one is it? And how do you leverage principles of neuroscience and decades of cognitive research on, on having an edge in sales? And if you have any questions, I delivered some content, 10 minutes of content at the beginning of this call. If you haven't done so already, follow me. Follow Sonia, CJ, Wayne as well. I follow them. And also, you see, below the stage, we have Marianne and we have Rome. I follow those two. Give them a follow. Ring their bell so that you can receive notifications when they start a room. Uh, and we are talking about neuroscience of sales. I've given a four-step blueprint on what are the four powerful neurochemicals to activate inside of your prospect's brain, in what order do you need to activate them so that not only do they make the sale, but they thank you for it and they will not change their minds and ask for a refund. If you want to learn more about that or if you join late, check out my Instagram. On my bio, there is a link, a new sales course that I'm starting on Monday. I'm teaching it live. I've taught this plat on this exact course many times before. This is the first time I'm doing it live. So join me on Monday. Carolina, I see your hands raised. I keep trying to um, bring you up to the stage, but it is not working. So I'm inviting you to speak. I'm inviting you to speak. So accept that invitation. You'll come up on stage and you will be able to unmute yourself. All right. So what questions do you have? CJ and Wayne have asked and Sonia have asked wonderful questions that enriched this conversation. If you have questions too, raise your hand and I'll bring you up to the stage. Carolina, I am going to re-invite you to the stage. I've re-invited you to the stage. Um, just accept my invitation and come up to the stage and you can unmute yourself. All right. So in the meantime, I don't see any questions. So I am going to give you some a little bit of something to uh, to close with. And I'm going to uh, talk about this. It, it is related, right? I, my framework for sales is that sales is a communication the reason why people are another reason why people are so hesitant about it they're not confident about it is because they're seeing it as something as something very different a very different entity but sales is literally a a conversation it is a communication and when you think about a communication every single communication we can have with our loved ones with our friends our family our boss and even a prospect you can dissect a conversation into five different elements right there are the emotions, right? The emotions. The more positive emotions you can elicit, the closer that the person will be to you. 
right? Emotions are stored in all of the memory centers of our brain and they're, they are stored together with all the events that happened in our, in our past that trigger those emotions. So if you picture the brain, it is like, it is like a file cabinet and sometimes emotions and memories about events and situations are stored in the same file. Right. So the same events that trigger those emotions, the emotions associated with it are stored together. And so the, the more emotional events we experience in life, the more memories we form. And it is easier to remember things when we have an emotional experience. So if you can create in, so, in someone the emotions they need to have to take the action you need them, that you know they want to take, but they have been stuck, then that communication is very effective. The second element is visual. We're very visual creatures. And yes, there are people who are visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. But the thing is, we have eyes and our eyes communicate light information to our brain. So in actuality, it's not our eyes that see. It is our brains that see. And we see things not from what they are, but we see things from who we are. So we process these inputs and we process them really fast, faster than anything. So then a visual can elicit a quicker decision, a visual. And a visual, I don't mean you show them a diagram or you show them a chart. It depends on their personality. But a visual is like painting a picture. That's why future pacing is so effective. That's why storytelling is so effective. It paints a picture. It presents a memory in their minds that will likely trigger the resurgence of a similar memory that they had or even create a new pleasant one. And the third element is contrast. We are always comparing and contrasting. Social media is the biggest proof in our lives that we are comparing all the time. We are always, we can't help to compare because we are constantly wanting to have greater certainty. Our minds, our subconscious minds are constantly gravitating towards that which could give us certainty. And certainty is in an explanation of why, of why. And an explanation comes from contrasting and comparing. It also allows people to compare you, you compare with their own personal experiences. So the more contrast you show, the more obvious your point becomes. The fourth element is experiment, right? You might be able to use experiment in every occasion, but for the most part, you have to use experiment because there's nothing better than, on, than a hands-on experience. When you, when you ask them to experiment something, you're asking them, you're inviting them to let them to try it, let them use it, let them test it. Let them come out of their comfort zone because it's safe out here. Test this out. Just try it out. When we touch things and we feel things, right, our brain immediately assumes that it is ours. Right? That it, we assume that it's ours. So how can you incorporate experiment in your communication? And the fifth element, the last one, guys, is egocentric. Right? Our brains, the human brain, loves to hear all about itself. It is the only organ in the, in the world. Not, no other creature, no other living creature on earth can do this. But our brain can question our own existence. We can question our own existence. We can question the, the, the truthfulness of what we're thinking. It's inception. right? It's very deep inception. We love to talk about ourselves. We love to hear about ourselves. And in particular, it and the reason why is because it particularly appeals to that emotional part of our brain. We're all about us. Right? So you got to make sure that you let your people know that it is all about them. What's in it for them? You got to satisfy that egocentric part, right? Never negate their feelings. You don't have to agree with them, but you also can't deny, neglect, or object what they feel. 
Right. So those are the five elements of communication. If you want to practice com uh, effective communication and have them hanging on your every word, these five elements. You can incorporate these five elements. Again, for those of you who are just joining, we are talking about we're having sales conversation. How do you confidently close the sale? Whether or not you are in a job interview, whether or not you are trying to sell your own products and services, or you're trying to sell your skill set, how do you close a deal? Is it persuasion or is it manipulation? If you have a question, raise your hand. I'd love to bring you up to the stage. If you have a comment, raise your hand also. I'll bring you up to the stage and you can unmute yourself. Carolina, for some reason, I see your hand raise. I keep inviting you up, uh, but the app is not cooperative today. However, I see another hand raise. Mariana, you are live. What is your question? Marianne, Marianne, sorry, what is your question? Hi, Grace. Thank you so much. I love your rooms. Uh, you always bring such great uh, value to them, so thank you for that. Um, I joined um, just in the last 10, 15 minutes. I would love to know if you gave a definition at the beginning between the difference between persuasion and manipulation, or is it just um, so nuanced that's why we're having a whole hour or so discussion on it? So, Because that is where I get caught and um, there's two things. I get caught in the difference between the two and whether or not um, persuasion, where the um, ethical piece about me persuading somebody else, um, I think about that as well, whether it's manipulation or persuasion either. So um, I guess definition between the two and where's the uh, boundaries or what kind of topics regarding ethical pieces of persuading somebody to do something. Um, is a part of what I think of that as well. Awesome, Marianne. I love your question. Yes, I did give a distinction and I'd be happy to do it again because others have just entered the room after um, I gave my 10 minutes of content. So here is the distinction. Persuasion versus manipulation. When you are persuading someone, what you're doing is you are helping them make the decision that they already want to make for their reasons. When you are manipulating, you are getting them to do something you want them to do for your own reasons. So the question then becomes, is sales manipulation? Because we talk about shifting their emotions. We, you know, we talk about, you know, changing their belief patterns. Well, isn't that manipulation? And the answer is no, it is not manipulation. It is emotional cooperation. And then you might be thinking, well, well, that's still unethical. Isn't that unethical? Because you're using their emotions against them, aren't you? And here is, here's the thing. If you don't use their emotions, they will. And they will use their emotions and immediately they will not make a decision and they will continue the status quo of their life. And the, that's the real tragedy is that they don't say yes, they don't make this investment and then they go back into the marketplace. They may invest in a cheaper program or with someone else who cannot bring them the transformation that you can. So here's the ethical part of it. If you know you have something so good, you have knowledge, you have expertise, you have experience, and you know that you're going to do good with it. You know that it has the propensity, the potential, the reality to change their life. It is your moral obligation to do whatever you can to sell them on it. It's your moral obligation, and that is the ethics part of it. Uh, thank you, Grace. I appreciate you reviewing that. It does make me feel differently about persuasion and helping them 
um, come to what to the point of where they want to be. Um, the one thing that you just said is um, that I often reflect on that also holds me up in my mindset is I know I can change them. I mean, it's just I'm assuming I know what they need um, and knowing all about them and what they need. And I know that I can make difference. I have made difference. But um, I think where I am still working on that flipping that switch for going total all in in persuasion as well is um, do I, how can I say I know what's best for them? And so um, I appreciate thinking about helping them come to what they want, whether it's with me or without me. But, um, and knowing that I can make a difference in, in many people's lives, and I have, and I also know as a provider, um, I'm a match for some and not a match for others, just like all of us look for our own um, matches for who we want to work with. So I appreciate that. I still need myself of me knowing that or I know what I can give them is going to help them and that assumption that I know what's best is where I get caught up still but I'm grateful for that distinction between persuasion and manipulation and why persuasion is helping them make the decision that's best for them so thank you for that you are so welcome, Marianne. You had an excellent question. All of you ask excellent questions. And Marianne, if you don't mind, um, would you like a little bit of coaching around that feeling of, do I know what's best for them? I would be very happy for that, thanks. Okay. And here's the, here's, here's the reality. Do we know what's best for our clients? Maybe, maybe not. But they will know what's best for them. And as a high ticket closer, as a salesperson, as a as an individual, a parent even, as a person trying to help someone out of their distress, out of their obstacles, we at the end of the day, we have to trust that they will make the decision in their own best interest. We have to trust that they will do that because nobody's going to make a decision that's going to harm themselves. Now, let's not get into mental illnesses and, and, and that type of spectrum. I'm talking, let's talk from general, general standpoint. Okay, so nobody's going to make a decision that's going to harm themselves. So we have to trust that they're going to make the decision is in their best interest. But they just have difficulty filtering out what could, what is possible? What is possible for me? What are some of my options here? Because they've been trying. They've been trying a bunch of different things. They've been doing a bunch of different things. They've been trying to figure it out on their own. So they don't know what they don't know. But here's the thing you do. Because maybe you've been there. Maybe you were them two steps ago. Maybe you were them 10 steps ago. So it's all around tapping into your life experience and why you started this journey in the first place. And looking into what have you done for the clients or the people or in your case, the children that you have served or parents that you have served. Tapping into that the, because the tr- looking into the truth of what you have accomplished will bring will shed light onto the fruit of what's happening, the fruit of what you've produced in your life and in other people's as well. So it's not about, I'm not talking about fake it till you make it. I'm talking about what are the real fruits of what you have produced from your knowledge, from your expertise. What is the, what is the truth of that fruit? Right? And you don't have to know everything that's best for other people, but you can help them out of their pain. But you can help them make a decision that they're going to be more than happy with. And that's what persuasion is. I mean, 
the reason why sales does get yucky and people do feel n- not served and people do feel um, offended in a sales conversation is because we move to convincing people, right? Because we haven't done a good job at uncovering the value of the of the payoff that we produce, then immediately that that desperation kicks in and then we start we resolve to convincing. And that's when it gets yucky. That's when it really gets unethical. That's when it really, people get um, like completely, they clam up. So I hope that helped, Marianne. Absolutely. Thank you so much for helping me walk through that. I appreciate your guidance and your coaching today. Thank you. You're so welcome, Marianne. Thank you for coming up on this stage. Do we have any questions from the audience? I mean, we talked, I don't know, some of you have joined at different times. In the beginning, I gave 10-minute content around the four neurochemicals that you activate in that sequence to make the sale confidently every single time. If you want to learn more about that, just go to my Instagram profile and my bio there is a link there is a link you can check that out there if you have questions about that just dm me on instagram all right so i'm going to refresh the page what questions do you have about sales what questions do you have about neuroscience about communication persuasion manipulation if you have any questions raise your hand and i will bring you up to the stage if you have comments raise your hand as well and i'd be happy to take them here I'm not seeing any questions. Sonia, CJ, Wayne, Marianne, do you have any more questions or comments for me before I close the room if there are no more questions? Just thank you so much. You are so welcome, Sonia. I am blessed and grateful that you are here. CJ, Wayne, Marianne, do you have any other questions or comments before I close the room? Hi, Joan. Thanks again. I always love your rooms, and I appreciate, like I said, um, just giving us the ideas of where the science is in our work. So thank you again. No, um, my only last question would be, um, you said the five elements of, could you just go over the five elements of great, you said great, how to do a great sales presentation, I think that's how you said it. The five elements are in any communication, right? Of course, this room is focused on sales, but the five elements are emotion, visual, contrast, you know, like comparing, contrasting, experiment, and egocentric. Those are the five elements. Awesome. Great question. Wayne, do you have any questions for me? Wayne, that's all right. Not a problem. All right. So, Guys, it is my honor and my privilege to talk to you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, depending on your time zone. I look forward to chatting with you and delving into this, delving into a lot greater detail with you on Monday. If you are, if you care to join me for that conversation, just check it out in my Instagram bio. The link is there. If I And I look forward to seeing you on Monday and we will continue the conversation. Make sure you followed me as well. I'm going to be continue. I'm going to continue to be holding rooms like this on Clubhouse. So I look forward to further conversations. Have a blessed and beautiful day and week ahead. And we will talk to you soon. Bye for now.